All right, where shall I start? Where shall I start? I don't know if I should, but I will. Tuesday Tuesday was a, a very funny day, a strange, one of those strange kind of days. Um, our, our daughter, uh, Elena, she decided that she didn't want to go to daycare very, very loudly. She really, 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 really didn't want to go to daycare that day. And so it was a real struggle to get out the door, and, you've, and we finally got her, got her there. And then, of course, we missed the train and everything like that. So got, got into work, which was I was working here on Tuesday, and I got in here kind of late. And, um, and it was sort of one of those days where there was, there was good news and then there was bad news. So the good news, Zoe, it got me a coffee. I was <laughs> Thanks, Zoe. The bad news, the internet was down. The bad news, restarting the modem didn't make any difference. The bad news, downstairs, they were doing demolition, and the thought crossed my mind. I wondered if, I wonder if they've severed the cable. The bad news was that when we went down there to have a look, Miranda and I went down to have a look, um, Sure enough, there was a cable hanging from the roof that was not connected to the cable at the bottom. The bad news was that the guy that was doing the demolition, he was not very happy, was he, Miranda? He was not having a good day. And he didn't, he didn't want us there. Very loudly, he didn't want us there. <laughs> yes. And then, um, well, the good news, Miranda is just an absolute mastermind, um, office manager, administrator, facilities, everything extraordinaire. She spent ages on the phone with, with Vodafone and, and try and managed to, managed to, I don't know how she did it, but she managed to organize a contractor who was able to come in that day on Tuesday to come and fix it. Incredible. Vodafone said it would take at least three days. Um, and knowing Vodafone, it probably would have taken at least three weeks. But so anyway, good news, the contractor could come. Bad news is the guy downstairs uh, didn't want to talk to us, so we didn't know if we could even get access. The good news was um, some interceders, some people came in um, that I don't want to name because I reckon that God's going to bless them for being undercover interceders, intercessors is the word, (laughs) interceders, it sounds like a tree. they came in and they started praying. At 11 a.m., they started praying. By 12 o'clock, it all started coming together. And by 1 o'clock, the cable had been repaired. And it was just like this extraordinary situation where everything had been going just absolutely just weird. It was just weird what was going on. A total escalation from this. It was complicated. Yeah, a fiber optic cable had been broken. That's complicated. I don't know where you'd start fixing that, but... It didn't have to go as nuts as it did. And then, anyway, when those interceder, intercessors started praying, it all came together. It was incredible. And it just reminded me, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. And it's a clash of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, of the kingdom of uh, evil and the kingdom of God. A clash of the kingdoms. It's a warfare. And in warfare, a really common strategy is, is to uh, like break the communication lines. To, um, you know, so that the soldiers on the front line 
don't know what, uh, I can't hear from HQ, right? So that the generals that have this overall view of what's going on in this, in this war, in this battle that, that they're waging, that they can't communicate to their, their soldiers on the front line. So then if, the, if, you know, if your enemy manages to disrupt those communication lines, then you as a soldier on the front line, you're fighting blind. You don't know what's going on. You don't know if there's a... Um, you know, there's a battalion coming to support you. You don't know, uh, man, my imagination's going a bit crazy here, but if there's going to be sort of uh, air support coming over or if the Navy's going to come in, then, um, you know, you, well, you've probably watched war movies as well. That's basically where I get all of my um, information from. <laughs> is it good so far? Yeah, <laughs> I'm making it up. Anyway, the point is, the, the soldiers on the front line are, uh, are on their own if they can't hear from the headquarters. And it's the same for us. The enemy targets our lines of communication with our commander-in-chief, with our King Jesus. And Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And God is a communicating God. Jesus is God, and one of the ways... One of the names of Jesus is the Word of God. He's a communicating God. God is so powerful that all he needs to do is just say the Word, and it happens. Say the Word, and, it, and it's done. You look, in the, look in the Bible, in uh, Genesis, very first chapter, all God does is says the Word. Let there be. Let there be light, and there was light. The whole creation account is God saying the Word, and it happens. Powerful God. The creation account is the account of the cosmos, the entire cosmos. We sang about the stars and everything this morning. God saying the word, the King of Kings speaking the word, and it's done. And then that's, that's, that's creation. There's a story about Jesus and uh, when, he, when he was you know, walking the earth, and the centurion comes to him, and the centurion has a servant. And the servant is paralyzed and is suffering. And, and the centurion go, comes to Jesus to ask Jesus to heal the servant. And Jesus goes, sure, I'll come and heal him. I'll come with you now. And the centurion says, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. So in that moment, Jesus says the word and the servant is healed. All he has to do is say the word. When the king speaks, his kingdom advances. And so this morning, I just want to look at a few stories of the king speaking to people, calling to them, calling to them, and then you hear about the kingdom advancing. And the first one, I don't have it up on the PowerPoint slide. Yesterday was a busy day, but I don't have it up on the PowerPoint. But the first one is in the book of Acts, chapter 9. So turn in your Bibles. (laughs) I'm waiting to hear the turn on the pages. I know. Okay, so turn in your phones. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I better do what I'm telling you all to do, eh? Acts chapter 9. So the first one uh, is a story, the story about the king. Remember, we're talking about the creator of the universe, not just an everyday kind of king. And he calls, in the story, he calls independently two people. The first one uh, in the story is called Saul, but he's also known as Paul. He's the Apostle Paul. And the other is a a really faithful and amazing believer whose name is Ananias. So we're picking it up. 
is uh, Acts chapter chapter 9. Saul, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. All right, we'll just pause. That's what his mission is. He's on his way to hunt down Christians to capture them and take them back to Jerusalem and throw them in prison. That's what he's on his way to do. Now, when he's on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who who you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Then the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was, out with, he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call in your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Mate, what a story. It's so crazy. Hey, we, sometimes, if you've been a Christian for a while, you might have read it and becomes familiar, but this is really, really incredible, this moment. 13 or 14 of the books that we have in our New Testament were written by this guy, by Saul, who was on a mission to destroy the church. He has had a massive influence on the church and indeed the whole world since this moment. This moment that the king of the universe calls out to him. And yet, like it's just profound. Consider the change. Here he is. He's the enemy of the church. He's going to destroy the church. For Paul, he was a, he was a Pharisee. And for him, uh, obedience to God looked like stopping the church. It looked like dragging Christians, men and women, from their homes and taking them to prison in Jerusalem. And it's on his way to, to Damascus, on, as he's on this mission, that the Lord speaks to him. The king speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then, and then Saul believes the voice. Wow, he was blind. <laughs> He was blinded by the light and this light from heaven. And, but he believes the voice. He repents and he obeys and he follows the king's instructions. And, and so instead of being a church destroyer, he becomes a church planter. It's, 
just incredibly ironic that this man whose mission was to destroy the church ended up being so instrumental in building the church. He is one of the key people in the establishment of the wider church beyond Jerusalem. (laughs) What the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. So much of what we know about God and Jesus comes from this man's writings, from Paul's writings. He was an enemy of the church. Paul heard the king's call, he listened and he obeyed. And then you have this other guy, Ananias. And imagine being in his shoes. So, okay, so he doesn't know. Going back to that analogy that I was talking about of uh, the frontline soldiers needing to you know, be connected with head, headquarters. He's at the front line. He doesn't know what's going on over here. He, he, he hasn't seen Paul have this encounter with God. He's doing what he's doing in Damascus, right? And then he has a vision from God. And in the vision, the king of kings tells Ananias to put himself, basically go to Paul, who go to Saul, who you know is an enemy of the church, go to him and heal him. Put, him, put yourself in the firing line of this man who is dangerous, literally dangerous. The king has a strategy. The king tells Ananias what he's doing. And, and Ananias, in this moment, so he hears the call from the king, and he has this moment, like, is he going to trust this vision? Is he going to trust the king? Is he going to go along with it? And I think he's got three options, or there's three things that are going on. Three. One, two, three. One, it is a vision from the Lord. Paul really has, uh, Paul has had a vision of Ananias, and, uh, and in this vision, he sees Ananias laying hands on him so he can see again. That, um, that really is the Lord speaking. And that if, if Ananias obeys, then Paul will be healed. And Paul will be God's instrument to carry his name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. That's option one. It really is the Lord. Option two, it's his imagination. He's been drinking too much. He hasn't had enough sleep. He's been watching too much Netflix, whatever. It's his imagination. And if he, but if he goes through with this plan, if it's his imagination and he, and he goes through with it, then what's going to happen? He's going to get arrested and taken back to Jerusalem. He might have to say goodbye to his family forever. But it's his imagination. Three is whatever, just ignore it. Don't even worry about it. It was, it was nonsense. Just ignore it. And Ananias, he... He's an absolute legend. We can skim over what's going on, but he's an absolute legend, a hero of the faith. He trusts He trusts that this vision is God's strategy, that God is doing something miraculous and life-changing in the story of this church destroyer, of this enemy, this Pharisee called Paul, called Paul Saul. Ananias puts his life in God's hands, and he goes to him, goes to Paul, finds Paul, lays hands on him, Paul is healed, like his, these scales fall from his eyes so that he can see and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And this moment changes history. It changes our history. It changes history, 2,000 years. All right, another story. This one uh, happened about 1,000 years before, before Paul. So it's, we're, this is getting really ancient 3,000 years ago. And it's the story of when a, when a king called a young boy whose name was Samuel. So this time we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3, 
Russell, Russell, Russell. The king of the universe, he calls this young boy Samuel, and Samuel goes on to become one of the greatest prophets of Israel. And if you don't know the story, a little bit of background might be helpful. Samuel, Samuel's mum, Hannah, she hadn't been able to have any children, and so she'd been praying, desperately praying, that the Lord would bless her with a, with a child. And, and she said that if you bless me with a child, then I'll dedicate him to your service, Lord. So when, when Samuel was born, Hannah does that. When Samuel was old enough, Hannah took him to the temple um, in a town called Shiloh, and left him there in the care of, of the priest of the temple, whose name is Eli. So let's pick up the story. Remember, we're, we're thinking about this young boy, Samuel. First Samuel chapter 3. Now a young man, or another translation I've got says the boy, Samuel. Now a young man, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Because he thought it was Eli yelling. Yep. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called to Samuel again the third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called me. Then Eli perceived that it was the Lord calling the young man. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Don't you love that line? On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Of course he was afraid. It's a tough thing. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here I am. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. 
Just like the story, just like the story of the king, Jesus calling Saul on the road to Damascus. In this story, the king, the creator of the universe, of the entire cosmos, calls out, calls out a person, one person. And his obedient response to the Lord's call just changes history. Samuel goes on to become this amazing priest, prophet, and, and the last of Israel's judges. He anoints the first kings of Israel, King Saul and then King David. But can you imagine being in his shoes? Can you imagine it? This audible voice that just makes him think, oh, it's Eli calling to me. That audible voice. He thinks it's Eli. Eli's his boss. And then he discovers it's actually God. He'd never heard God before. And then God tells him this full-on prophecy that Eli and his household is going to be punished because his sons were blaspheming the Lord. And then this young boy, he has to go and tell Eli what God has said. And that, oh, again, like it's a tough situation. Does he trust, does he trust the Lord? Uh, he, he's going to be putting his future in, in the hands of the Lord in this moment. What I mean, We know the story. We know that Eli responds all right, but Eli might not have responded like that. He might have gone, whatever, you, you little boy, you don't know the Lord. You don't know what you're talking about. Get out of here. Go home. And then he'd have to return home in disgrace. Or maybe there would have been worse. I don't know what the punishment is for um, a false prophecy. I think maybe it's stoning. He, I reckon he had. He was putting his life in the hands of, of God in this moment. And instead, he listens, he hears the call, and he obeys the call. And he enters his destiny, and he changes the history of Israel and the world. The story of what the King of Kings is doing, the story that we are part of, or that we can be part of, is this. The King initiates. The King initiates. Kingdom citizens. We respond to his call, the kingdom advances. Um, just before I continue on, uh, there's, there's been a couple of words this morning, and um, I just keep on thinking it's going to be really disobedient of me not to, uh, not to share those. So, uh, Ellie, can you put your hand up? I can't see you there. Can you come, can you come up and tell me there? And Natalia, when she's finished, can you come and share the word that you had? to church this morning um, um, I felt a very sharp pain in my knee and I thought oh bother that's uh, my knee and, and I felt the Lord said no it's a word for somebody at, at church who's got a problem with their knee and it felt like a sort of a cartilage problem and my knee's fine now which is good <laughs> and, and what James is saying about obedience I think sharing the word is, is, a, is, a, is a good thing to do so if you've got um, a pain in your knee um, I'd love to pray for you or James will pray for you yeah. Well, should we just do that now? Does it in, resonate with anybody? You've got a pain in your knee? Caleb? Um, Ellie, can you? And actually, we'll just stretch out our hands over to Caleb. Yes, yeah. John, is John too? Yeah. Can you stand up as well, man? Yeah. All right. Yeah, Lord, we invite you to come, Holy Spirit. Let your kingdom come on, um, on these guys, on John and uh, Caleb. We, uh, we just speak healing over their knees. Let your kingdom come. Holy Spirit, do your work this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence.
and Matt too, Lord. Let your kingdom come on them. Bless them, Lord Jesus. Can you test those out? Give it a give it a wiggle. See, tell me if there's any. Tell us if there's any improvement. Just buzzy, buzzy in your knees. Yeah, in your hands or yeah. Bless what you're doing. Bless what you're doing, Lord. Yeah, bless what you're doing there. Thank you, Father. How about you, Matt? Any change there? Yeah. <laughs> Feels cold. Feels cold. Thank you, Father. How about you, Caleb? Can you test that out, maybe? And wow, <laughs> not quite there. Just complete what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you you are the you're the one that makes a difference, Lord. Doesn't depend on doesn't depend on us, doesn't depend on magic tricks, jumping through hoops. We thank you, Jesus. Bless you. Right. You can keep praying. Um, Tally, can you share the word that you had to? So I just had a picture when we were praying and um, then when Anna um, sang the song about, you know, the, the rags of brokenness, it really just kind of clicked into place. But it was... Um, going into the the ruins of the temple um of of the lord and it's you know all the ruins and broken bits of um stone and stuff that you can tell it would have once been glorious but is now ruined and um just kneeling down and praising and worshiping and praying to the lord um confession and praise and worship all together and the the praise filling out the temple, the praise filling and rebuilding those temple walls and all those beautiful things, but not out of um, materials as we we see them, but out of the praise and worship of those who love the Lord. Thanks. So good. How's it going, Caleb? Keep me posted. Yeah, and John and Mac, if you can as well. Um, yeah, I've also been um, sensing something too, and it's just, <laughs> I'm a bit worried that I'm not going to get to my notes, so let's see where we go. Okay, words, 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 there's so many words, there's so many words in our world today, you, I'm giving you words now, we we are saturated with words. We get out our phones and we read words. We go to work and we write emails and it's just words, like information that's just coming at us all the time, all the time. And it's in this overload of information and words that we find ourselves like feeling, I think, a, a residual anxiety or the sense of... Um, unsettledness, of um, on edge, 
that anything's going to go wrong at a mo- in a moment. And when there, when there came the announcement on Tuesday that uh, we were going to be going into Level 2 and Auckland Level 3, what's, what happened is this, our, <laughs> the people of New Zealand who already have this, I think, a residual anxiety and an unrest, we panic. The system is disrupted, and we panic, and we, we flock to the supermarkets to try to get some sense of control because we get information coming at us all the time. I don't know if you've been also getting informa- um, you know, all kinds of information coming at you about what's going to be happening um, and we had this on, on Friday, you know, there's the sort of the government announcements, but in the background there's all these other kinds of things, um, people saying, well, this is going to happen, well, this is going to be happening. We're going to be going into level three, we're going to be going into level four, whatever it is. It's just this constant information. And in this, we have, we have a choice. Do we, do we keep listening to all these words and opening ourselves up to all this information and words, or do we come back to that word? The word. I'm talking about Jesus. Who I've already said, all Jesus needs to say is the word and his kingdom advances. All Jesus needs to say is the word and people's lives are changed. All he needs to say is the word and the fear and anxiety that we feel evaporates. And yet, we... We come into submission to the King of Kings. We go, yes, you're the King of Kings, but we don't fill our mind and our lives with, with what the King says in the Scriptures, in the Word, or by just by spending time with Him. Listen to this one. This is uh, Psalm 29. Verse 3, I'm going to jump to. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The, the glory of God, the God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf. Lord, I pray your blessing on Lebanon at the moment. Lord, bring your restoration to that, uh, to that country. Let your kingdom advance. Let the disruption that's happening there actually lead to an outbreak, an advancement of your kingdom that we've never seen before in our lifetimes or in the lifetimes of the people that are there. We pray for uh, food to be available. We pray for Rania and the people that we support there. Lord, that they would know your presence and your daily bread. But let your kingdom advance. Let a, um, let a government be established there that are, that are upright that are righteous, that are not corrupt. Let your kingdom come. Let Lebanon skip like a calf. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the dig of birth and strips the forest bare. And all in his temple cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the, over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever, may the Lord give strength to his people. All right, back to my notes. <laughs> the king initiates. 
the king initiates. The gospel is the king's invitation, and it just goes far and wide. Like in these stories that we've looked at, there's the invitation of the king, and it goes to an enemy. It goes to Paul. There's the invitation of the king, and it goes to a faithful believer, Ananias. There's the invitation of a king, and it goes to a young boy, Samuel. It goes far and wide. All are invited. History doesn't matter to the king. Our history doesn't matter to the king. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Last week, Matt talked about the gospel Jesus preached. Man, thanks, Matt. Awesome word. If you haven't listened to it, then please go and listen to this on the podcasts. Because a lot happens in seven days. A lot happens in seven days. And so you might not remember. What did, G- what did Matt speak about last week? <laughs> yes, the kingdom of God is near. Jesus' announcement of the good news. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Matt put it like this, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near to us. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is God. He initiates the kingdom of God. And it's his kingdom that's come near to us. It's come near to us. He initiates it. It comes near to us. And we, we don't initiate, actually. We respond. We're invited. We're called. And our part is to hear that call, to repent and believe, to believe uh, his way of life and his kingdom. And it means to recognize and submit to Jesus' invitation to a way of life that is marked by the marks of Jesus' life. Jesus' life was marked by abiding in the presence of his Father. Life abiding in the presence of God for all eternity. This is the invitation. Doesn't that sound good? Imagine that. Imagine being in the, pre- being in the presence of your creator that loves you more than anybody else. Imagine being in the presence of one who he has everything in the, in the, in the palm of his hands. You know, there's a story about Jesus when he's, uh, he's in a boat with his disciples and this massive storm comes up and his disciples all freak out. They're all freaking out and Jesus is asleep. No wonder he's asleep. He's the one that created that lake. He's the one that created the air that is that storm. He's the one. Well, he knows that all he has to do is say stop and it's going to stop. Of course he's not, he's not freaking out. The disciples, they didn't know that he was that kind of king yet. <laughs> then when I was thinking about this, I was going, what would you do if you were Jesus in that storm and you know you could say at any moment, stop to the storm? Wouldn't you just let it rage as much as you could? Wouldn't you? <laughs> like, just let's see, how, let's see how high these waves are going to go. It'd be like a, being on a roller coaster. But then Jesus, he's so compassionate and he knows that his disciples couldn't handle it. So he says, stop, and the storm stops. Jesus is not afraid of a virus. That we can't even see. That is wrecking havoc over the world. He's not afraid of that storm. So imagine being in the presence. Imagine you're in a boat. Except um, imagine you're in a boat and the storm that's raging is COVID-19. And in the boat with you is Jesus and he's the king of kings and he knows exactly what's going on. And he knows exactly how he's going to work this for his good. This is who we're talking about. We're not talking about King Charles the Tenth, whatever he will be. All right. Life abiding in the presence of God for eternity. That just sounds wonderful. Lives marked 
We're talking about um, ways of life that are marked by the marks of Jesus' life, life marked with being in the presence of God, a life, a life that flows with love, joy, peace, forbearance, to use an old school word, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These, these characters are, are characteristics that emanate from life in the Spirit, life in the Holy Spirit. Life that announces the good news of the king and his incredible kingdom to others because Jesus is in the boat with us. We don't have to be afraid of uh, what people might think. We've got the good news. We've got the good news, the best news. God, I think, God the king, he's calling us. He's calling us, each of us, in this time, in this day, and we have a choice. Do we listen to his call? Do we not? Okay, can I keep going for a little bit longer? <laughs> this, this, this image, like what happened on Tuesday, just keeps coming to mind for me over and over again. Like when Miranda and I went downstairs and we could see that cable just hanging. <laughs> you can, when you leave, you can have a look through the, the window of downstairs and if you'll see a pot plant. And that pot plant is there to protect this cable that's literally hanging from the ceiling and going down to the floor. That's, that's our connection. That's our, you know, this morning we are live streaming and hello to the people at home again. If that connection is broken, then that doesn't happen, right? No more internet. Disaster. I keep seeing that cable. Uh, and it's just so fragile, this cable that connects us. Our lives as followers of Jesus, in our lives as followers of Jesus, we need to develop um, and strengthen our connections with God, with, with our commander-in-chief, with our Jesus. We need to have multiple ways of connecting with God. We need to, you know, one of the things I really like about um, the story that I read before about Ananias and about Samuel is how they were, they were in a sense positioned in a way to hear the call of the Lord. And so when they heard heard the voice, they both said the same thing. Here I am. Here I am. We need to position ourselves. So here's some keys. I wanted to get to this. The first key, the first key is the one that I think gets disrupted the quickest in our busy lives, and it's prayer. It's prayer alone. It's prayer alone in a quiet space. Finding ways, finding ways to pray with God in a, in a private space on our own. Um, you know, in the Gospels, we read of Jesus and how he used to keep, keep getting away by himself, finding a quiet space where there was nobody else to spend time with his Father. Jesus is the Son of God, and he had to do that. He had to be connected with, our, with his Father. Man, if it's important for him, how much more important for us? I remember hearing uh, John Cameron from Arise, Pastor John Cameron from Arise, speaking a year ago, and he and he said, um, he said we have this gift in our smartphones, and it's called airplane mode. <laughs> Do you know what he means? He's like when we when we when we come to pray, sometimes we'll have our phone in our pocket or we'll have it next to us, but that means that we are, we're not on our own. We are in a moment we can be contacted by anybody who has got our contact details. They can interrupt us. But we have this gift of airplane mode where we can choose to go, okay, this time, this five minutes or this ten minutes, or if you're a superstar prayer, this three hours is going to be just me and God. 
You know, Paul, after encountering the king of kings on the road, he spent three, says he spent three days without food uh, or without drinking, and he spent that time praying. And it was as he was praying that he had that vision of Ananias coming and healing him. But one way is not enough. One cable is not enough. A builder, an angry builder might come along in a moment and wreck that cable. Or in my house, a three-year-old might get up early and interrupt my quiet time with God. And then all of a sudden, I have a day and I haven't really prayed. And it's all because I've only, got, I've only had one way. We need to have multiple ways. Maybe it's multiple times during the day that you go, okay, at 12 noon today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my attention back to the Lord and pray. Or, or having other times during the day, or having other means. And okay, so prayer is key. Prayer is so key. But here's the other thing: the B I B L E. This is the this is the this is one of the primary means that God has chosen to communicate with us. God, the Creator of the universe. Have I said that a million times already? And he's used this, this book that is a book of books and, and it's hard to understand and it's got stories that are complicated and some of them are boring and it has genealogies and it has complicated words and it's ancient, it's 2,000, 3,000 years old. And yet this is what he's given to us to understand, to understand, help us understand him and know about Jesus. This is the Bible. This is the book of books, the book of the king. And we need, man, I think now more than ever, we need to get the words of this into our hearts and into our minds. The Bible speaks God's truth to us. And here, read the Gospels. You can actually hear Jesus' words. It's like you're hearing Jesus actually speaking to you. If you really want to hear God, a lot of people say, I can't hear God. I'll start here. This is God speaking. Listen to what's in this book. And I know it's tough going, but there's a blooming lot of resources that make it easier. Bible Project, anyone? (laughs) You can watch videos. All right. Got that? Prayer, studying the Bible. I'm just talking about ways, remember, that we can connect with God so we don't have this fragile connection with God. The third one is being with other believers. Just being with other believers, coming to church on a Sunday, worshipping with other believers, being with other believers and encouraging one another. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love, to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And I, I've got a, just an example from this week. It's been a tough week. I've been pastor for two years. It's been a long two years. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need encouragement then. And um, anyway, I met with I met with a couple of people. Uh, just there were separate kind of meetings. And in those sort of meetings, we got to, we were talking about life and everything that was going on. And then we ended up talking about Jesus and about His kingdom. And there was just something about something about talking about Jesus that I just felt so encouraging. That built me up and helped me keep going for another day. It's, it's very easy to uh, have conversations with other believers and not to talk about Jesus. I've spent so much of my life doing that. But 
if we can just talk about Jesus, just drop him into the conversation and go, isn't Jesus good? Isn't he wonderful? And other people were challenging. And it's a sacrifice to carve out a chunk of time on a Sunday morning together with other, other believers. And it can be hard to worship Jesus. But just remember how easily all of this can just get taken away. All, all that's got to happen is there is an announcement from uh, the government and they say, okay, level four, and all of a sudden you can't meet with anybody else. Or level three, and we can't do gathered church. We need multiple connections, all kinds of ways to build connections with Jesus, to position ourselves to hear him, hear when he calls, and to respond when, when he does. Here's a final one, and I don't have it on my notes, but I just feel I've got to say it. It's rest. Rest. It's the hardest one of all, I think. But we had that word, I think, from a few weeks ago where it was, my presence goes with you and I'll give you rest. Resting in the presence of God. Finding ways to switch off from all of the noise and the words and the information that we're going to get flooded with. Because believe me, as soon as I stop talking, there's going to be more coming your way and my way. But how do we rest? Finding ways of rest. The Lord will lead you. Jesus is the King of Kings. He is sovereign. He knows all things. His kingdom is advancing. His kingdom is good. His kingdom is eternal. We only have a limited perspective. We only have a limited perspective, and it's easy for us to get rattled or shaken. What we need to do is build and develop and strengthen our connections and our lines of communication with the King who knows all things, who's sovereign. Paul, Ananias, Samuel responded to the king's call and they changed history each of us we can respond to the king's call change history not for ourselves not for our own glory for the king's glory let your kingdom come lord i don't know how this happens but it's five to twelve already so why don't you do you want to stand with me and pray um yeah, I just feel so strongly that there's this, just this repeated refrain that keeps, keeps coming to mind, and that's the Lord is calling, the Lord is calling. The Lord is inviting a generation to, uh, to defile the idols that are in our hearts and raise up God as the king that's in our hearts, to let, let the things that just don't actually, they're not going to count for much in the end and let Jesus be raised up. So, Holy Spirit, words, words, words. And I know I've said a lot today. Ultimately, we want to hear your word spoken to us. Your word is the word that changes lives. Your word is the one that uh, speaks, a, <laughs> speaks a better way. Your word is the one that changes situations. Lord, for each of us, would you show us, would you lead us into those places where we can hear your words spoken to us? Lead us, Lord, and guide us. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, that you invite us to a banquet. You invite us into rest. You invite us into eternal life and all of its freedom and love and joy and peace in you. 
Lord, sometimes that seems like a pipe dream, but would you lead us step by step into that more and more, Lord? We thank you for your amazing goodness to us. We thank you and bless your holy name. Strengthen our lines of communication with you, God. Help us to know that with your words as our firm foundation, we cannot be shaken. Let us be a people whose vision is filled with with who you are, Lord. And let your voice be the loudest voice that we hear. Help us, Lord, to make space in our lives to hear your voice and to respond to your call. (laughs) And save us, O Lord, we pray. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen.